Greetings, this is Douglas Gimple, Senior Portfolio Specialist at Diamond Hill Capital Management, and this is Understanding Edge. At this point, nearly the entire nation is on lockdown with the majority of the workforce that is able to do so working from home. Here at Diamond Hill, we are wrapping up our second week of working from home, and I thought it would be beneficial to bring in key members of the firm to discuss how we were able to make the shift so efficiently. Joining me today is Heather Brilliant, CEO and President of Diamond Hill, Gary Young, Chief Compliance Officer of Diamond Hill and President of Diamond Hill Funds, and John Krager, Diamond Hill's Director of Information Technology. This is our first podcast bringing on multiple guests from remote locations, so I'd ask for your forgiveness for any sound quality issues we may get. As always, wishing everyone out there the best. Stay healthy, stay safe, and enjoy the podcast. Thank you. Thanks to my guests, uh, Heather, John, and Gary, for joining me today. We're going to start at the highest level, directing the first question to our Chief Executive Officer and President, Heather Brilliant. What was the process uh, that led to announcing the work-from-home order back on March 13th? And you know, was the board involved in those kind of discussions? Yes. Yeah, so there were a number of, um, I would say, data points and signs that we were kind of watching as we were seeing the coronavirus crisis unfold. And before we moved to everybody working from home, we did first stop everyone traveling and um, tried to make some other modifications, lots of hand sanitizer and extra cleaning of the office and things like that. But it really became clear on March 13th that we would not have the opportunity to contain things with, uh, with such small moves. And so I think as we were consulting with um, different people in the Columbus Partnership and other large employers in the Columbus area and seeing other moves as well, we felt that it would make sense for us to, um, to just have everybody work from home. And I think one of the biggest reasons for that is that it is a, um, a great opportunity that we have given the type of business that we have that essentially everyone can work from home. And we had tested that and we put a lot of great plans in place that we'll talk more about during this call, but it made it a lot easier to make that decision. Um, the board was involved in the decision to some extent, um, particularly we kept them aware as we were going through the different process of finding out you know, that we were going to stop travel and that we were going to try to have some people work from home, moving to essentially having everyone work from home. And um, they've been very supportive the whole way, I would say. We've even heard some comments from some of our board members that we were more proactive than other companies on which boards they participate. And I think that's been a, a comforting piece of feedback to receive, although it's, uh, it's kind of irrelevant now that I think we've all moved to this point. So Gary, you've participated in the disaster recovery planning since we put the plan in place years ago, and, and, and now we're living through it, um, something we, we had hopefully never imagined, but, but here we are. Can you walk me through what went, what went into the process of establishing the plan as well as testing the plan and what areas of the firm were involved? Sure. So we have had a formal business continuity plan since 2005. We took the opportunity back in 2017 to do a complete full rewrite of that plan. We based that rewrite off of the SEC's rule proposal uh, regarding business continuity plans for investment advisors and modeled the plan rewrite after that rule proposal. Uh, even though the SEC never put that into final uh, form, we thought it was a good outline to, uh, to help us uh, uh, rewrite the plan. Uh, from there, we have been testing it every year. Our testing is focused on 
the most critical function in our firm, which is managing client portfolios. And so we have focused the testing on the recovery of uh, our portfolio accounting system and the recovery of our, our trade order management system and our ability to uh, manage portfolios and, and execute trades. So we have um, involved a lot of different areas in the firm, uh, but primarily it has been uh, uh, our operations and trading group um, as it relates to those, those critical functions. And John, I'll pivot to you now. And, and we've heard about the initiation of the process from Heather and the background around the, the disaster recovery plan from Gary. So um, I'm going to ask you, how have, how have things gone so far? Well, uh, you know, we had some anxious moments, I think, in the beginning, which are to be expected. But honestly, it's gone remarkably well up to this point. Uh, within one business day, we had 98% of our associates working from home. And while this was unchartered territory for us, I do feel like we were well prepared. And, uh, you know, from our perspective, since we shifted to remote work uh, from a technology standpoint, we've really been focused on a couple things. One is you know, really working with each associate to ensure that they have the right tools and resources to be effective at home. So things like, you know, sending out multiple monitors or webcams and headsets and things of that nature. And also is, you know, really just being there to help if anyone has trouble with things like connecting to our environment or setting up call forwarding on their phone, things like that. But really from my vantage point, it's been good to see our business continue with minimal disruption. Uh, you know, I think the investment the teams, the client teams and the operations teams are clearly, clearly focused on our customers and our admin teams are continuing their work as usual, really, and including projects and any execution of longer term strategies for the company. Gary, what um, you talked about uh, the evolution of the disaster recovery plan, um, what kind of incremental improvements have been made as, as technology has evolved and, and we've moved forward in time from when we originally established the plan? Um, what kind of improvements have been made to the to the disaster recovery plan over the years? Yeah, we've made incremental uh, technical and procedural improvements to the plan in each of the last 10 years. I'll, I'll touch on a couple of the earlier ones that we've done and then turn it over to John to, to uh, talk about some of the recent improvements. But back in 2014, uh, we moved all of our backup servers to a state-of-the-art data center uh, that had redundant power sources and redundant network connectivity. That data center uh, does have an annual SOC 2 examination regarding its infrastructure and control environment. Also in 2014, we secured exclusive rights to a short-term recovery location that has a capacity for 25 seats. That location also has dedicated fiber connection to both our production and backup servers. So those are two important things that we did uh, about six years ago. And I'll, I'll turn over to John to add some additional uh, comments about some recent improvements we've done. Yeah, thanks, Gary. And I think as we go to the IT side, I know there's some risk of lulling the audience to sleep, but I hope we don't do that. <laughs> um, but, you know, a couple of things I'd say from an IT perspective, um, you know, first is, is the work that we've done on our technical infrastructure. Uh, we've made upgrades to network lines that support the traffic that comes into our data center, including all the remote worker traffic that's going on right now. And we've made upgrades to lines between our main office and our recovery locations. So it's an important piece to keep those you know, bandwidth strong and, and data flowing as it would normally. Uh, we've also made upgrades to our virtual private network. You know, this is commonly referred to as VPN uh, that allows our associates to connect to our environment securely from really wherever they are. And you know, we've continued our practice of refreshing servers and storage devices and other infrastructure, typically every three to five years. And this is really important because we wanna make sure that our 
hardware is functional, it's scaled properly, uh, and, and won't fail in moments like these where we really need it. And then second is really the work that we've done to increase the mobility of our associates. Um, you know, we started with the decision to move email and other systems such as CRM to the cloud uh, a few years ago. And we've also made uh, use of offerings like Bloomberg Anywhere that enable our investment team to stay connected on the road or at home. And on the equipment front, we've been making a gradual shift from standalone desktop PCs to laptops or Surface devices. Uh, you know, I'm proud to say that over 50% of the company is now working with a laptop. Uh, we expect to stay on this trajectory really in the, in the near term and, and likely leverage cloud offerings and virtual desktops in the future to give us even more flexibility. And last, you know, one of the more recent improvements uh, has been the replacement of our legacy conferencing system with Zoom co video conferencing. Uh, this, is, this change has been timely really during the pandemic response and, and helped greatly with communication as I'm sure both Heather and Gary would probably attest. Yeah, from a, from my personal standpoint, it's been it's been seamless. Um, I've got everything that I need set up running, and the fact that we're able to record this podcast through Zoom uh, just shows you how far we've come. Um, John, uh, I'll I'll stick with you. Uh, we'll ask about cybersecurity, which has been a key focus for the firm over the past several years. Something that's become very very important as everyone is more interconnected around the world. Um, how do the developments in the firm's cybersecurity program? How does that then tie into the disaster recovery plan? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, as, as a company, we strongly believe that business continuity and information security live hand in hand. Uh, back in January, Diamond Hill actually became certified uh, under what's called the ISO 27001 standard. And for those that are not familiar with ISO, it's an internationally recognized framework that outlines key security controls uh, in the form of policies, procedures, and technologies like spam filtering or monitoring tools. And you know, relevant to the pandemic response, our ISO policies include a mobile device and teleworking policy that outlines the expectations of associates when they are interacting with company and client data remotely and just making sure that that stuff is secure uh, you know, just as it would be in the office. And we've also been proactive in talking with our associates uh, at this time you know, about things like phishing attempts that are out there. Um, you know, unfortunately, there's still bad actors um, that want to take advantage of kind of this perceived weak moment in the business environment. Uh, and it's important for us to kind of socialize those aspects with all of our uh, employees to make sure they don't, you know, accidentally click on something or, or um, create, create, create a problem beyond what, what we're currently faced with. So uh, there's that. But, you know, more broadly, our business continuity plan considers events of any kind, really. Uh, including pure security events such as ransomware or other malware that might make its way into our environment. We have a well-developed uh, incident response plan on the security side of the house that really coexists with our disaster recovery plans. But yeah, you know, I can say that we're not not resting at all. Um, you know, we continue to look for improvements uh, of all of those plans and adapt to this kind of changing security landscape that we live in. So, John. We're, we're deep into our disaster recovery plan um, and it's, it's working. Um, we talked a little bit about, you know, Heather talked about we were testing, you know, prior to the announcement of everybody working from home. Um, was there other kind of testing that was done in prior periods to ensure the stability of the plan? Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's two ways I'd answer this question. You know, first is kind of what Gary alluded to earlier. Um, you know, we do what I would call these traditional tests 
uh, each year where we assume the loss of our primary data center uh, and fail over to a remote site. You know, like I said, we practice this annually uh, and typically have five to 10 associates included in that test to make sure that all the systems are functioning in DR just as we would plan. However, you know, I can say that if there's a silver lining in a pandemic, you don't have to fail over your systems, uh, fortunately. Uh, but, you know, what, what we do have to be prepared for is potentially a second disaster, knock on wood. Um, you know, a cyber incident could come into play or we could have some other outage to our primary data center today. So we have to be prepared and we have to be ready for that. So we've also made sure that our infrastructure at our failover site uh, can handle, you know, 130 people working at home uh, in, in much the same way as our current production environment. So we've gone through uh, quite a bit of testing around that. Uh, and then really the second area of testing involves what I would call remote testing. Uh, which really kind of has a technical and a human component. Uh, you know, on the technical side, we want to make sure that our infrastructure can handle the load and the stress associated with uh, external associates hitting our infrastructure from the outside. And, and then, you know, secondly is that, you know, do our associates know how to access our environment? You know, have they practiced it? Uh, you know, have they logged into the VPN and those kind of things? So we've done a couple of these exercises in the past two years, uh, one on a smaller scale. And then another one more recently with over half the company, which you know really gave us some confidence going into this event. So Heather, I've, I've saved my last two questions for you. Um, from a leadership standpoint, how is the firm maintaining a connection with employees since we're all remote at this point? Yes, well, we've, what we've been doing is really trying to make sure we have lots of connectivity. And first of all, John talked a little bit about the implementation of Zoom which was so fortunately already well in place before this, uh, before this incident happened. And uh, I'm so glad that it did because I think there's a real benefit to having video connectivity with your colleagues. And because of that, I have also started sending around a, a short video to the entire company every morning um, or sometimes lately, it, it ends up happening in the afternoon, but either way, I'm just making sure to give everybody a little bit of a sense of what we are working on as a firm, how we're keeping things going, even in the midst of having to deal with very volatile markets and uh, lots of different leadership and management challenges that I think come into play when you have an environment like this. And overall, I think it's been really well received. People, I think, feel much more connected when they can hear from us every day and uh, really understand how we're thinking about all the different challenges that the company faces and uh, give them an opportunity to, to ask their questions. And so on that last point, we've also instituted a weekly Q&A with our leadership team where we all call in. We just had one last night. We had um, more than 100 of our 130 associates join the call to ask their questions. And so it gives them an opportunity to A, ask any questions that might come out of these daily videos or B, really just to put in front of the leadership team the big concerns and questions on their minds about this pandemic, about our ability to have business continuity in this time period, um, about any of our, our funds or our interactions with clients. And I think that connectivity has been really helpful for our firm during this difficult period. And, and I want to point out that, that each of you throughout, throughout this podcast have, have mentioned clients uh, and how important they are to us. And so Heather, I'll, I'll put the last question to you about, you know, how has the shift in, in these dynamics that we've been discussing, how has that impacted communication with our clients? Well, Doug, one thing that's really tricky about an environment like this is that everybody is bombarding 
all of their clients and sending lots of articles and information and updates. And so what we're trying to do is really make sure that with our client communications, that we're being as present as they need us to be, but also cutting through some of that noise. And so we have instituted a, a weekly call with our clients where we are doing updates with each of the portfolio managers and inviting all of our clients to join us and ask their questions. And we've also made sure that we have posted, you know, our response to the crisis and how we're all working from home online so that it's very available for anyone who's interested, but we're not bombarding our clients with the information that hopefully is obvious to them at this point that we are working remotely, but it's going fine. Um, and then the, the third thing I'd say is that, of course, we haven't been traveling for several weeks now. And one thing that cutting back on travel does increase the opportunity for is the number of direct one-on-one -on -one client interactions. Our team has been able to have more like, um, you know, eight to 10 interactions with different clients over the course of a day. Whereas when they're on the road, they can really only usually squeeze in three, four, maybe five meetings. And so that gives us the opportunity to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with every one of our clients who's interested in doing so. And we've seen a really a great level of interest as we navigate through this period. Our client team has just been amazing at reaching out to our clients, staying connected with them, and also using Zoom so that we can still have that face-to-face -face feel in these interactions without having to necessarily be there in person. Well, Heather, Gary, and John, I want to thank you guys for joining me. Um, it's fascinating to hear everything that went into allowing me to work from home without any snafus. So. Uh, I really appreciate all the hard work that you guys have done and continue to do and just want to thank you for joining me today. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Thank you. This material is for informational purposes and is prepared by Diamond Hill Capital Management. The opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and are subject to change. These opinions are not intended to be a forecast of future events, a guarantee of future results, or investment advice. Reliance upon this information is at the sole discretion of the listener. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal.